persons a pauper at times compared to the man with a satisfied mind. When my life has ended and my time has run out, my friends and my loved ones, I'll leave, there's no doubt. But one thing's for certain, when it comes my time, I'll leave this world with a satisfied mind. That's a song lyric from Country Music Hall of Famer, Porter Wagner. And the second uh, good word to begin us is from a man named Simeon when he meets the Christ child in the temple. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Recently, our church gathered on a Wednesday evening to sing Christmas carols. Uh, my nine-year-old son and I attended. It was a good night. I, I hadn't sang so much, uh, so many Christmas songs together in, in a while, and I was tired. And when we went outside, it was snowing. It was the first snow of the year. My son was exuberant. He was excited and effervescent. I was none of those things. It was dark. It was a school night. I wanted him to stop dancing in the parking lot so we could get home. But he's crying out, it's snowing, it's snowing. I said, okay, it'll be snowing at home. I didn't know if that was true because it really was just flurries at the time. But anyway, it got him to agree to get into the car. And thankfully, when we got home, it was still snowing. It was actually snowing a bit harder, and it turns out I wasn't a liar, right? Uh, my son ran into the house. He woke up my wife. He flung off his coat, and he sprinted into our backyard, and he just danced in the snow for 20 minutes. It was pure joy. It was unhinged, effervescent joy. The next morning when his younger sisters woke up, he told them all about the snow and they wanted to play too. Now there was almost no snow on the ground. It really was just flurries. There was nothing on the sidewalk. There was nothing on the grass. There was a tiny bit of icy snow on outdoor like patio chair cushions and a tiny icy sliver of snow on, a, on an old trampoline. And they didn't care. It was the first snow of the season, and for 30 minutes on a cold morning, they danced on that icy trampoline, and it was pure joy. What would it be like to have that joy? Uh, perhaps joy even bigger than that. What would it be like to have joy like a child, not just for a moment, but a joy that lasts? And I think the right word for that is peace. What would it mean to have peace? I love that Porter Wagner song because a satisfied mind seems to me like a good description of real peace. He talks about a satisfied mind, a, a contentment, a peace being so much greater than riches. He'd rather be a pauper with a satisfied mind. He wants to leave this world with a satisfied mind. If you're going to meet somebody in the Christmas story we look at uh, today who gets a satisfied mind, he gets peace. The message of Christmas is that there is a greater joy and a lasting peace available to all people. And that means you and me. That's a bold claim, but it is the claim of Christmas. There is a source of joy and a source of peace given to us this Christmas. And it's so good that it's a joy and a peace that cannot be taken away. It's one that we can experience and carry with us into every circumstance in this life. It's the joy and peace of every longing heart. So if you have a longing heart, if you don't have a satisfied mind and you can't find peace or lasting joy, then look again at the source and root of the Christmas story. 
In the Christmas story that's, that unfolds in, in the Gospels of Luke chapter 1 and 2 and the Gospel of Matthew 1 and 2, many people encounter this joy and peace. And we're going to look at two of them very briefly. There's two men. One is still in the womb and the other is close to the tomb. And they both find ultimate joy and peace. What if you had joy and peace? What if you had joy and peace? It'd be worth trading anything you have now for lasting joy and peace. So let's see these stories of these two men, baby John and old man Simeon. In Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him that his advanced age wife, Elizabeth, will have a child. And this miraculous birth becomes John the Baptist. And likewise, Mary is told that she's gonna give birth to Jesus. And Mary and Elizabeth are cousins and then they end up meeting up. Uh, and also what happens is in the womb, John meets up with in the womb, Jesus. So let's see what happens here. This is Luke 1 verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by the Lord. As I read this passage, the, the image of the joy of my son in the snow came immediately to mind. As Mary finds out she's pregnant through the angel and that God has also done the impossible and Elizabeth is pregnant too. She sets out with haste to go see Elizabeth. She enters the home. There's this excitement. There's this energy. Like it's like the first snowfall. It's something big is happening, but even bigger than that. And Elizabeth cries out this blessing for Mary. And the source of that crying out and blessing was being pushed out of her from John. When Elizabeth hears the sound of Mary, John leaps for joy. And from that, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about this scene. John is six months in the womb. Jesus is probably two months in the womb, maybe. But John, for the first time, is in the presence of Jesus, and it causes him to leap for joy. Just getting that close to Jesus brings this overwhelming, abundant joy. I wonder if that's our truest state and truest condition. I wonder if that's what we're all made for. When people get into the presence of God, there's this joy, this radiance that follows. There's these images in the Genesis creation story in the first few chapters of Genesis. It talks about how in the beginning, God makes all things good and man and woman in his image and they are in fellowship with God. And I picture this scene where they're with each other face to face and it is good. And this is before they hide and run and it's not good. There's this joy in the life-giving creation and God is the source of all of that. Later in the Exodus story, Moses goes up on a mountain. He's in the presence of God and his face becomes radiant. The light of God shines upon him so much that he reflects it back to others. At the end of the book of Revelation, the last book uh, in our Bible, God comes and dwells with mortals again. And it's images of, of the intimacy of a husband and wife. God's people are in his presence and he wipes the tears from their eye and there's no more night. 
And there's these powerful images of flowing light and darkness overcome and joy. I think John gives us the glimpse of the only response that makes sense when getting close to the source of all this goodness. He leaps for joy. The Christian proclamation, the Christmas proclamation, is that Jesus is the source of all that is good and that you will find true joy only in his presence. The early church came to believe this about Jesus. They believed that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, powers, all things created through him and for him. These are, these are big claims. They believed that he was before all things and in him all things were held together. They believed that he is the head of the body, the church, that he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in him we might have uh, come to have first place in everything. They believed that in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And that through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to the world all things. Reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And that's all from Colossians chapter 1. You see, what John is right next to when he's next to Jesus, he's not rejoicing in the beauty of a snowstorm. He's rejoicing in the one who makes the snow. He's leaping for joy because he is next to the one who is the source of all that is good and all that is holy and the creator of all of creation. That's what he's next to. What else could he do but rejoice? So there's a six months old in the womb rejoicing. A few days after Jesus' birth, he's taken to the temple for some purification rituals. Two turtle doves are offered. That's where we get some of that from, uh, this, this, that song, Two Turtle Doves, right? And in this uh, temple, there's an old man looking for the consolation of Israel. There's an old man who does not have a satisfied mind. He's waiting for the suffering and the chaos to end. And that's much of the story of God's people. They've been a suffering servant in bondage to slavery, in bondage to their own disobedience and sin, in bondage to exile and under oppression of rulers, both foreign and domestic. In some ways, Israel is an example of the pain and the hurt of the whole world, because this is also the story of, of most of human history. Everyone has a longing heart looking for consolation and comfort and peace. And there's this man, Simeon, waiting for things to change, and he's given a word that he will not die until he gets to behold the one who can make things right. This is Luke 2, chapter, uh, verse 22. Time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. This is Mary and Joseph bring up Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And this is part of their law. Every firstborn male should be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. In verse 25, we meet Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested upon him because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Master, 
Now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon, waiting and waiting and waiting, waiting for his hurting people in need of peace. How many of us are waiting for peace? But when Simeon holds the Christ child, cries out, Master, you're dismissing me in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, a salvation prepared for all people, light for the Gentiles and glory for Israel. Holding on to this Jesus is worth more than anything else he could ever hold or put his hope in. This is what gives him peace. Even as he's about to die, it seems, in the midst of the hurting, broken world, Gentile broken humanity, Jewish broken humanity, in the shadow of the cruel Roman Empire and the evil King Herod, he encounters Jesus and he can say, Master, I get to leave this world with a satisfied mind. Can you feel, can you see the peace that Simeon encounters? I think our greatest sin, at least according to Paul in Romans 1, is that we go to other sources for joy and peace. Perhaps our greatest mistake is putting our hopes in created things to give us a satisfied mind. We worship the created things rather than the creator. So we find that some things give us a bit of pleasure or promise and we give glory to that and we put our hope in that instead of the source of the joy and source of the peace, the creator. And we end up reflecting the glory of all these created things rather than the creator and that ends up being the root of our pain and our hurt and our sin and our longing hearts and our brokenness. We go after false joys that let us down. We go after false pieces. And during Christmas, we might feel that more than ever. We look for joy and peace in created things, in people, in gifts and experiences and memories. But the source is right there in the manger. He's the light of the world given for us. He's the good news of great joy for all the people. He, he is peace on earth. This Advent, consider the source. Find your joy from the source. Find your peace from the source that is Jesus. Stay in his presence. Get close to him like John. Grab hold of him like Simeon. Jesus' spirit that moves John, that rests upon Simeon. Know this as we draw close to Christ and confess him as our source of joy and peace. When we repent and leave the false things and declare him as our master, our salvation, our hope, our peace, and the joy of our longing hearts, when we do that, the same spirit that rests upon John and Elizabeth and Simeon comes to rest upon us too. And know this also, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you draw close to Jesus, when you cling to Jesus, you don't just find joy and peace. You become someone who brings joy and peace to others. When John gets close to Jesus, he leaps for joy and it moves Mary and Elizabeth. When Simeon gazes upon Jesus, his peace amazes Mary and Joseph. Your joy can be a guiding light for others. Please, please know that. Whether you're the age of John the Baptist or Simeon, and most of us are somewhere in between, the peace of Christ in you, the joy of Christ transforming your heart is a star of Bethlehem that leads others to the joy and peace of Christ. When my son found joy in the snow, that joy spilled into me and my wife, and it spilled into the next day to his two sisters. That's just a boy who got excited about snow. 
What if you rejoiced in the one who holds the storehouses of snow in the heavens? What if in the midst of this chaotic and painful world, you lived with the peace of Christ? Who would catch your joy? Who might find comfort and consolation in the peace you have to share? Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Thank you.